Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 16, verses 1 through 21, called Bread of Heaven. We are in Exodus chapter 16. Bread from heaven is the title. We are looking at the blessing of the manna that comes down from God and is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and a picture of his provision in our lives through the word of God. Exodus 16, second book of your Bible. We've been moving verse by verse through the book of Exodus. This one is bread from heaven. The disciples watched Jesus in his earthly ministry. They watched him move around, interact with people, pray, share. And they asked him in Matthew 6, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can feel all the people who grew up in the Catholic Church wanting to join me. (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. In the Greek New Testament, there's a word for test and temptation that are actually the same word. And the way it's translated in English is dependent on context. And the word is perazzo. And it can mean a test from God. And it also can mean a temptation from Satan. And what we're going to find in this particular text is that God is going to test his people again. And he's going to test them with a little stretch of them being hungry. And he's going to teach them a deep lesson about the bread of God. The bread that we all really need. The the deepest needs of our lives. C.S. Lewis, when he wrote Mere Christianity, and many of you know that C.S. Lewis was an atheist. He became a Christian. He talked about a hunger for things that the world doesn't satisfy. And I'm just paraphrasing now. And he said, if we hunger for things that this world cannot fulfill, perhaps we were made for another world. What C.S. Lewis was getting at was there are things in the souls of people. We can look at people all around the world. We can think of friends and family and coworkers and people in our neighborhood who may sense sense a hunger in their souls, but they don't really know how to fill it. And we know the, the true bread that we really need, that they really need, and it's the bread of God. And the fulfillment of the manna is going to come later in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's also an additional element of that, which is that the word of God is what we need as our daily bread. Israel in Exodus 16.1 is moving from Elam. If you were with us two weeks ago, uh, 16.1 of Exodus, Elam is the place of abundance. There were Uh, date palms and 12 springs. And it it was that place that speaks of abundance and overflow. And two weeks ago, we had Pastor Christian Ionescu with us, and it led us into our Sunday evening uh, 633 event. And I had told you that I had found out that 
I had made the connection that he pastors a church called Elam Pentecostal Christian Fellowship. And I had asked Pastor Christian, why did you choose that name? And he had said that when they open the church doors, Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever they open them up, they want people to experience the blessing, the overflow, springs of water, and uh, they want to be they want people to be met with the love of Christ and, and the living waters that only Christ can give. And so the, the people of Israel experienced that. They had the bitter waters of Marah. God turned them sweet. Then they came to this place called Elam. And I'm sure they would want to remain there forever. It's a place that many of us have been. A place where, you know, maybe it's in the midst of a church service or a personal devotional time. Or we just shared our faith with someone. Or we saw God do a miracle in our lives. And we felt like we could walk on the clouds. We felt like, you know, there, there was the true overflow. That springs of living water were flowing out of our lives and we had deep gratitude and everything. But here's the truth of the matter. Elams don't last forever. And we got to go back into the wilderness of the world. And that's what happened to Israel. So they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Now, Sin here is not as we would think of Sin that came to be known as falling short of God's glory, etc., Some scholars believe that sin represents a shortened version of Sinai. Uh, We don't know for sure, but Sinai can mean thorny or it can mean to shine. And the people of Israel are in the desert and they're two weeks away from coming to Mount Sinai. So we don't know for sure what the wilderness of sin would have represented back in the day. But here's what we can say. It represents a dry, barren place. Sometimes we find ourselves in places of dryness and barrenness, and often it can be a result of our sin. And so the children of Israel are en route. They're between Elam, middle of the verse, and Sinai. And the Bible gives us a time marker on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. Something that you'll note when you read your Bible is that often the Bible will give a date uh, the Bible's not once upon a time kind of stuff. That's not what this is about. There's an actual calendar here. And they are 30 days removed from their departure from Egypt in the Exodus. They left Egypt on Nisan 15. It came to be known as Nisan. It was originally Abib 15. And they left Egypt on the Feast of First Fruits. So it's 30 days. It's the second month now. Remember, the, they, their calendar was redone and Abib became the first month now. 30 days into the journey. So only a month removed from leaving the house of slavery to the day, 30 days. And they leave the oasis and they come into the wilderness again. And this is how life can feel. We can feel like we come into places of refreshment and blessing. And, you know, we can feel so close to God And the wilderness can simply be the courtyard or the parking lot. Can I get a witness? You know, sometimes you walk out to the courtyard and you realize somebody took the last maple bar and you think, who was that rabble that took that last maple bar? What's wrong with these people, right? Sometimes it could be the parking lot. Sometimes it could be, you know, the next day at work, you find yourself in a thorny situation, etc. And so the whole congregation, Exodus 16, 2, of the sons of Israel They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They had what we might call the desert blues. Why were they grumbling? Well, it would appear that they grumbled because they had a grumbling tummy. Any of you cranky when you're hungry? Can I get a witness, anybody? So, you know, they 
they were out in the wilderness and we don't know exactly what was happening. We know that they weren't completely out of food, but they began to grumble. And it says, the sons of Israel said to them, Moses and Aaron, would that, or if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you've brought us out into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Doesn't take long. When we move from Elam, the place of abundance, palm trees and springs of water and praise the Lord. And it wasn't that long ago before uh, when they were singing that song after the Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea and they sang the hit song, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name, horse and rider he hurled into the sea. Sing it with me. Hail, hail to the line of Judah, right? And then the song began to die. And a little grumbling in the tummy is about all it took. And then they made this declaration. Would that we had died. They're they're saying something like this. Would that we had died among the plagues or maybe died in the Red Sea with the Egyptian army. All because your tummy's a little grumbly? Really? How dramatic are they being And then they envision Friday night, Pharaoh's buffet, all you can eat. We had pots of meat and bread to the full. Do you think they're painting an accurate picture of what actually was happening in Egypt? Do you think that they had overflowing buffets in the land of slavery? I doubt it. But sometimes when we get in the flesh, we make the past sound better than it was and the present sound much worse than it actually is. Anybody have a dramatic streak in you? I'm famished. If you're a teenager, I haven't eaten in 90 minutes. I'm starving. Right? And sometimes when we're hungry and we find ourselves in a wilderness, so to speak, what we do is we begin to say some silly things We can romanticize the past in the world. You know, it's hard to be a Christian, we might say. It's difficult. I didn't sign up for this. Persecution and difficulty and the Lord testing and stretching. Come on, man. And we can romanticize the past in the world. And we can make the present sound worse than it actually is. Here we are living in America, not Afghanistan. Amen? Here we are with so many blessings. I wonder when we pray over a meal, if we say something like this, oh Lord, thank you for providing so richly over and over again for this family. I wonder how many times we just simply take for granted the miracle of another meal right at our fingertips. And usually we can choose what we want, when we want to eat it, where we're going to go. Jesus says that's what the world chases after, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. And sometimes we find ourselves buying into that mindset and becoming consumed. You ever had a conversation with a loved one and you say, where do you want to eat? And I don't know, where do you want to eat? I don't know. And then you suggest a place, all right, let's go over here. And they're like, nah. (laughs) Were you really asking me for a suggestion? Yes, but it's limited to three things that I would like you to speak right now, right? And so they grumbled. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. All because your tummy's a little grumbly? Really? How dramatic are they being? And then they envision Friday night, Pharaoh's buffet, all you can eat. We had pots of meat and bread to the full. Do you think they're painting an accurate picture of what actually was happening in Egypt? Do you think that they had overflowing buffets in the land of slavery? I doubt it. But sometimes when we get in the flesh, we make the past sound better than it was and the present sound much worse than it actually is. Anybody have a dramatic streak in you? I'm famished. If you're a teenager, I haven't eaten in 90 minutes. I'm starving. Right? And sometimes when we're hungry and we find ourselves in a wilderness, so to speak, what we do is we begin to say some silly things. We can romanticize the past in the world. You know, it's hard to be a Christian, we might say. It's difficult. I didn't sign up for this. Persecution and difficulty and the Lord testing and stretching. Come on, man. And we can romanticize the past in the world and we can make the present sound worse than it actually is. Here we are living in America, not Afghanistan. Amen? Here we are with so many blessings. I wonder when we pray over a meal, if we say something like this, oh Lord, Thank you for providing so richly over and over again for this family. I wonder how many times we just simply take for granted the miracle of another meal right at our fingertips. And usually we can choose what we want, when we want to eat it, where we're going to go. Jesus says that's what the world chases after, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. And sometimes we find ourselves buying into that mindset and becoming consumed you ever had a conversation with a loved one and you say, where do you want to eat? And I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. And then you suggest a place. All right, let's go over here. And they're like, nah. <laughs> Were you really asking me for a suggestion? Yes, but it's limited to three things that I would like you to speak right now. Right? <laughs> and so they grumbled. And I have to tell you, brethren, that I've been in that position many, many times and not liked what I've, I've seen in my own heart how easy it is for me to move from a place of abundance and feeling like I'm walking in the spirit to grumbling. And it doesn't matter if you say it out loud, heaven still hears. And so we can grumble, 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 under our breath, out loud, whatever it might be. 
And then they made this declaration, which is tragic. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. Something like this. I wish we never had been saved. I'm hungry. I wish we never would have applied that blood of the lamb on our door. I wish we would have drowned in the sea with the Egyptian army. Oh my goodness, really? All because your tummy's a little grumbly? Yeah. Hard to be a Christian. Difficult sometimes. And we look back to our past and we see snapshots and we paint the picture as though the buffet was overflowing, but we don't talk about the next morning when the meat turned in our tummy and it wasn't pretty the next morning. That's not what the devil does. You don't think about the terrible times when you were in slavery to your sin and you cried out for freedom and found the living waters and the living bread. This is how we can be. And so they made these declarations all because they were hungry. And, and we, we would all say, well, we can relate. I mean, hunger, it's difficult. But what was really going on? They were making declarations like, was this all for naught that we got delivered from this land only to die out here? Riken writes in his commentary, really, the Israelites had nothing to complain about. They were not running out of food. This is what they said, of course. We're starving out here, but it simply wasn't true. In the next chapter, they talk about needing to water their livestock, Exodus 17, 3. Obviously, they still had flocks and herds that they had brought out of Egypt. They could drink milk, they could make cheese, and if necessary, they could even eat meat. They weren't starving. This is confirmed by Psalm 78, which speaks of the food that they craved. Write down verses 18 and 30 of Psalm 78. The food that they craved. Not the food essential for their survival. The Israelites confused what they wanted with what they needed. This is often the source of discontentment in us, thinking that our greeds are really our needs, close quote. Riken is arguing that when they said this, they really weren't starving. It was more an expectation of what might happen, in anticipation of running out of food, not so much that they were out of food at that moment. And this is what we can tend to do when we worry. Shane preached about this last week, is we tend to make all, we paint all these terrible pictures about tomorrow that really never come to reality. And that's what they started to do. It looks like we're going to run out of resources. What's God doing to us? What are you doing, Moses? And it didn't get any better. If you turn to your right, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Let me show you something that happened a little bit later. And this will give you a little bit of an idea about the manna that came down. Numbers 11, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 11.1. Now the people, Numbers 11.1, became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people therefore cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died out. Numbers 11.3. And so they named the place, the name of that place was called Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt. Kids ate for free, apparently. <laughs> the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, 
and the onions and the garlic. Some of them were Italiano. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing at all to look at except, oh, wait for it, this manna. It's not that they were out of food. They just didn't like the menu. Remember the leeks and the onions and the fish? But you were in slavery. Yes. But it was Friday night, free fish night at Pharaoh's kingdom. It was so wonderful. What's wrong with you people? And then you read about the manna. It says, the manna was like coriander seed. Its appearance like that of bdellium, which is something like a resin. The people would go about and gather it, grind it between two millstones. They would beat it in the mortar, boil it. There was definitely options in the pot, make cakes with it. And its taste was the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Now, I don't know about you, but cake every day sounds like a dream. And to have cake, you get all the essential nutrients. You fathers know this. Your wife goes on that weekend retreat, comes back. What did you feed the kids? Your answer? Cake. Pancakes. Leftover pancakes. By the way, a pancake is still cake, brethren. If you make a muffin, it's still cake batter. If you add blueberries to it, it does make it healthy. So just so you all know, right? Cake every day. What are they whining about? But this is what they did. We're sick. It wasn't that they were out of food. They were just sick of the manna. Sick of it. Sick of the manicotti. <laughs> and so they whined and they complained. You've been listening to Bread of Heaven, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 16, 1 through 21. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. One more time, 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you've heard certain segments of the professing church say, just speak it and it's yours. Uh, pretty much like saying that your words have power and if you send them out, well, you're going to get exactly what you spoke. Let me just say that that's false. While the Bible says that there's power in our words, it's not the power to create reality, to create wealth or anything else. Uh, our words don't have power in and of themselves. They have power to heal, if we speak a, a timely word, to comfort. Yes, they have that kind of power, but not to create reality. That's God's realm. That's not our realm. And so if you've heard that before, let me just say that you've been misled and uh, maybe you've been banking on 
even, you know, some of the new age ideas like, Hey, just send your words out into the universe and you'll get, you'll get what you want. No, God is not some candy machine in the sky. He is sovereign, holy. He controls things. But when we pray and when we speak words of life to people, it does make a difference what we say. But we're not creating our own reality, brethren. Um, God is the creator, not us. Hey, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and you're listening to Walk in Truth. We're dealing with a message called the bread of heaven as we look at the miracle of the manna and how that crosses over or links us to the beautiful reality of the bread of God. His name is Jesus. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Well, he is. And he came on a saving mission from heaven to earth. Trust in him today. If we can help you in any way, you can reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We also have pastors here Tuesday through Friday who would be happy to talk and pray with you at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Well, we'll be looking more at the bread of heaven next time. Lord willing, we'll see it right here. God bless. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 16, 1-21, called bread of heaven. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.